We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. NBA Most Valuable Player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis trailing the lob. Hey there, welcome to the Eurostep Podcast Network. This is another terrific Eurostep Win in Six collab episode. I am joined today, well, it's a somber episode. The content is terrific, the the theme is somber. I'm joined by Rohan Kadi and Jordan Tresky to talk about Dante DiVincenzo, who we learned today is going to be out for the rest of the playoffs. I know I said on last night's episode after Game 3, Well, hopefully it's not that serious. He was back out there on the bench. Apparently it is indeed that serious. So definitely a bummer. But uh, despite the the sour news, Rohan Jordan, how's it going? I'm doing well in spite of the (laughs) this news. And obviously the Bucks are doing very well in spite of this news too. Yeah, it's uh, we we touched a little bit on this in the last episode for post game three, but yeah, it's just, it's just disappointing. We'll just say that up top. Just this sucks so much for Dante, who struggled with foot issues in the past. I believe this is being classified as a torn slash ruptured ligament in his left ankle. They haven't specified which one, but whatever. Uh, and they've just ruled him out for the remainder of the playoffs. So just on a human level, just we feel for you, Dante. And it's very unfortunate. Plus, he's been at, like, I tweeted this. His shot hasn't been falling in this series. But I think he's actually been playing really well and much better than, you know, probably Ty, you and I have given him some credit for in the past. Uh, but he's completely proven us wrong so far this series. And that's it just makes it even more unfortunate. Yeah, and just, I mean, anytime a young player who's obviously got such a prominent role on a team that looks destined to, you know, have at least a, a very good series against the net. I mean, it's such uh, against the Nets, such a big stage. And Dante, obviously, I think one year left on his rookie deal. I mean, hitting free agency, really a bummer. I mean, this is the kind of thing a, a really good series against Brooklyn could have significantly impacted how much he will make later on, no matter who it is paying him. So you definitely hate to see it for Dante. You also hate to see it for the Bucks. And I think we want to get talking about what this means for Milwaukee, how they can slash will adjust. I mean, obviously, you know, up front, I, I've talked about a little bit already on, on the last pod and on Twitter, you know, there's a chance that this works out, but clearly you'd always like to have more players. That's always the goal. This is not good in any stretch, but I think there are some cases for optimism despite the circumstances. Let's start with, I think, the most obvious or easy kind of solution, which is to stay 
in a relatively similar makeup for the starting five. So this is staying smaller with that group. So I think there's three real options. Jordan, I'll let you pick whoever you want to talk about first. Bryn Forbes, Pat Connaughton, Jeff Teague. Those are really the three two-ish. The, you know, obviously Forbes is a two. Pat, I argue, is more of a three, but can certainly play there. Teague, more of a one, can certainly play there. You know, who do you think we'll see? Or who would you rather see? Wherever you want to go, but which of those three names do you want to start with? I think Forbes is the obvious one just because, A, he's having, you know, a monumental series so far for the Bucks, And, B, I mean, we talked about it in past pods, and it's kind of been this bubbling, you know, <laughs> topic of discussion throughout the season when, you know, Dante has been struggling when his shot isn't falling. And look, you look over on the bench, bench and there's uh Ford's right there and he's hitting shots and all this stuff. I think it makes sense that they, I feel like that would be the logical move just because if you look at how the rotation is set up, he's like the first guy off the bench. They take him out for Drew, kind of insulate him and his, you know, defensive limitations at least. Um, and keep him around like Giannis, Chris, Brooke, all that stuff. And then when you set him up so many times with just hitting shots, whether it's like handoffs or, you know, Drew bending the defense to, you know, as much as he has against Miami, like there are so many obvious reasons why it looks like Forbes would be the logical starter, but there's, you know, we we can only look ahead at this point, and you look at Brooklyn, and you're just like, you know, what is, how do they hide him? Do you put him on Blake Griffin? Which is, I mean, Blake Griffin's not the Blake Griffin of old, but he still is capable of, you know, doing something with the ball, and, you know, that's an obvious mismatch, mismatch that the Bucks and Nets would equally <laughs> hone in on. But, like, yeah, I, I think Forbes is the obvious kind of, candidate to rise up in, in light of losing Dante. He's also been the guy that they've started in the past when Dante's in his games, especially this season. We've had a three or four games here. I think it's just three that are real games where they're not just arresting everyone and Dante's yeah. in his time. Bryn Forbes has always been the guy that they've put in place. Of, that extends uh, to the start of the second half, I believe, against yes, it does. Yep. Uh, uh, Miami. Yeah. So Bryn Forbes, I think, is going to be the guy who just slots in there. It's interesting that you bring up the Brooklyn matchup because, you know, it, like you said, it's easy to look ahead to that. And if you're talking about, like, Brooklyn in terms of, like, Kyrie and James Harden, which one are they going to guard? I think you could just stick him on Joe Harris and ask him to run around with Joe Harris. That's true. I, I actually – this is going to sound just insane – I don't hate the idea of having him on Kyrie sometimes. I do. I hate that I a lot. Because <laughs> I think he stays in front of guys. That's his thing. I don't know how much any player can alter a Kyrie Irving shot. Drew Holiday can. Well, sure, but what about, like, Harden? I mean, I, I think if you're talking about or Dante, what would you have done with Dante? If you would put Dante on Joe Harris, then fine. But I don't think, I don't think Forbes is measurably worse on Kyrie Irving than Dante would have been. And I understand that's a very scorching could, take. I understand that there's this perception that Dante is a great all-around defender. I think Dante is a terrific off-ball defender and like a defensive playmaker. On ball, I do not think he is going to do much better on Kyrie Irving than Bryn Forbes does. Like I think if you end up with Forbes on Kyrie for a handful of possessions, I don't think you're that much worse off than you would have been with Dante there. I agree. I mean, if you can get him on Harris, having him chase around the other shooter, fine. That's all good and well. But I, I don't hate that idea. Harden, I think, is death. I, you can't do Harden. Harden's way too big and strong. Harden, yeah. that's, that's, you don't let that happen. But I don't mind if he's on Kyrie sometimes. And part of it, we've seen this for the Bucks before against Kyrie in the playoffs. Let Kyrie think he's got the greenest of lights and the best matchup. If that means James Harden and Kevin Durant are not shooting the ball, I don't hate Forbes on Kyrie. I think it is at least somewhat tenable. I think, too, I mean, this, like how we're going to have to kind of, you know, recalibrate to defending a team like Brooklyn. And whether it was Dante Forbes or Brooke, obviously, in a very, you know, more pronounced way, like there's always going to be one person or at least one person in the Bucks starting lineup or closing lineup, whatever lineup you want to look at, that you'd be kind of like – you know, tugging your neck collar very nervously kind of thing. And at some point you kind of just, you're going to have to live with what Brooklyn's going to give you. You know what I mean? 
So what are you going to live with? Are you going to live with putting Drew on KD and letting, you know, you know, try to make his life harder? Are you going to put Chris, like all the, the various matchups that you can do at some point, you're going to be like, okay, we're how like the Bucks have, were willing to live with like Duncan Robinson hitting shots, coming off screens, all that stuff. Like there's some things that they under Bud and granted things are a little different this year, but they still have that kind of same mentality of like, there are some things that we just can't ultimately defend and what they choose to live with, depending on who steps in the starting lineup or whatever lineup uh, configurations look like. I think that's, in terms of the big, the that's the big three. I think that's going to be the big question of like, of those three, who are you most willing to live with getting, you know, their, their buckets, their 30 points or whatever the case may be. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it in that. I think it's fair to say that Kyrie is at the bottom of the big three yeah. for Brooklyn, which, again, that's why Brooklyn is so uh, such yeah. a tough matchup. Because that guy Kyrie being Irving the third guy being is the ridiculous. third guy and yeah. your worst option <laughs> is very bad for opposing teams. Yeah. And what what I think is going to be interesting in this series in particular is in the miniseries about like a month and a half ago now, uh, uh, two games against Brooklyn, we saw that Milwaukee was sort of rotating their defense around. They were switching matchups constantly. You were never going to give Kevin Durant, uh, James Harden wasn't in that game, or Kyrie Irving, like the same looks throughout the game. You're going to switch personnel around. You're going to switch schemes around. So we're going to see if it is Bryn Forbes. We're going to see Bryn Forbes moved around as well because that's how you have to play it because you have to play towards the two alphas in KD and James Harden. You have to give those two different looks, and that involves moving Bryn Forbes onto either of them at times, which no, just makes me shudder. It doesn't, it doesn't involve that. You don't do it, that. It That's will too sometimes. Much. Not on purpose for the Bucks. Yes, but Brooklyn there will, will be possessions sure, in which but. that happens, and that makes me a little upset. Yeah, but I mean, again, my my just counter is like, do you feel that much better if it was Dante guarding Kevin Durant? I don't. I mean, a little bit. Uh, sure. Okay. I I feel like you're not giving Dante enough credit here, Ty. I think I'm just giving Kevin Durant a lot of credit for it That's not true. mattering <laughs> him unless the name is Giannis or Drew. I don't think it matters. And Chris does admirable. PJ does well. But if it's not one of those four guys, pretty much anybody else on the roster, it's really more up to Kevin Durant than the guy playing defense. Stand yeah. in front of him, put your arms up, whatever happens, happens. And I think I don't want Forbes on Durant. I think you need to work to avoid that. We've seen the Bucks this year do more of – you know, kind of switching between offensive sets. I mean, the, the Portis scram switches were, I think, the most illustrated example. I think we'll see more of that in this series of, you know, kind of deftly moving around off ball. And that's the one, the one, the one thing, nice thing about the Nets is there's always going to be some sort of a safe haven, especially if Jeff Green misses significant time. There's yeah. always going to be a Claxton, a Blake, who's not entirely safe, or but safer. Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown, DeAndre. So, you know, whoever's on that guy, can kind of, if there's a, a hesitation in the offense for a moment, kind of get over to whoever Forbes is on and usher Forbes, like, hey, go stand by Bruce Brown and make sure he doesn't cut. Like, there's there's options. Um, but that's, that's what, what that's what Brooklyn is doing with Blake Griffin, actually. they're yeah. what, what they're doing so far in the series is because Boston is sort of picking on Blake Griffin a little bit in the series that, who knows, maybe it'll be the Celtics. We're, we're assuming a lot of it. I also love uh, that we just ignored the rest of the Heat series. So oh, that's, that's, that's kind of where we're at, though. Yeah, yeah we all We covered that last episode. Listen to the last episode if you yeah. haven't already. We we just stomped on their grave. Or yeah, at least I, mean, I did. But just clearly, just for the sake of this episode, we all agree quickly, even without Dante, Game 4 should not be. I mean, he missed all his shots in Game 1, and, and the Bucks won by a ton with him playing nine minutes. We don't expect this to really factor in at all to the Miami series. Yeah. No, but okay. what I was saying was that Brooklyn with Blake Griffin right now is whenever Boston tries to hunt for Blake Griffin, they just send another guy. They just yeah. automatically like, okay, we're not involving you in this action. We're going to make sure we're rotating around that so we don't have to involve you in other actions. And that's a defensive strategy that Milwaukee could actually employ with Bryn Forbes in this series. If, like, let's say he's on – uh, Joe Harris or something, and they bring Joe Harris to come set a screen or something, you just send another guy and then have that rotate on the back line and you just don't directly involve him in actions where it's just bad outcomes all around. You can try to avoid that as much as possible. Yeah, so that's Forbes. I think 
I think it's probably the logical place to start. I think the thing with Forbes that I've always said, even a couple months ago when I made that he should start over Dante Case, I feel like I was pretty early to that, by the way. I think that gained a little bit of traction after. I, I'm going to take some credit for blazing that trail, but my point has always been you need to have the oversized, comically large cane ready off stage if it is going bad to, like, yank him back and put somebody else out there. So let's talk about some of the other options. I've seen some some push today just since the news broke about Dante for Pat Connaughton to get the starting nod. I kind of get it. I mean, he does offer some of the Dante-esque things, namely like being bouncy, being a, a quite skilled rebounder. I mean, those guys had so many seven rebound apiece games. I think that doesn't matter. The shooting has been good so far. If you're making the argument, uh, you know, factoring in the rebounding and everything, sure. I don't like when people say, I want Pat in there for the defense over Forbes. I don't think there's much of a material difference. I think there are different kinds of defenders. And if you're looking at Brooklyn and saying, we actually do want to try and stick the guy onto Blake, then maybe you could talk me into it a little bit more. I still think it's probably going to be an issue, but I think Pat can hang with size a lot better than Forbes can. But like, if you're talking about defending wing players, I, I don't think Pat is going to do much better. Uh, Jordan, what are your thoughts on Pat Condon as a guy? And I think, you know, I wanted to get here later. I think everyone's going to need to step up a little bit. It's not just going to be one player who's suddenly, yeah. you know, much more than nobody else matters. But what do you think about Pat potentially starting and really stepping up with Dante out? I definitely see Pat as being more of the safe option just because I, I think Adam said a couple podcasts ago too. There isn't like any one area where he is like, particularly, you know, deficient in. He does a little bit of everything. Like, you know, he's, his shot has obviously fallen more than Dante's was the series. Yeah. Um, his defense has been decent. He one of the he made this great pass about, like, when he uh, – granted, it was, like, Bucks were up, like, 30 or whatever it was. But <laughs> the, he gets, like, kind of just, like, sandwiched and then found PJ, like, hanging in the corner, like, all by his lonesome. And he just does, like, a little – like, those little things that, you know – yeah, and so this is in the box for it, but, like, the recognition and just kind of, like, the awareness of knowing where his team is going to be, that kind of, you know, makes him a decent option to turn to. But like you said, I think his – it's such a weird – it's hard to, like, quantify just, like, how, what he does good defensively because, obviously, there's good rebounding that mm-hmm. he brings to the table, mirrors, like, Dante. in to – for his credit, he's been a much better rebounder lately. Like, he will fight for uh, misses all, like, just, like, the little, like, hustle and tangible stuff that you kind of recognize. But, again, we're talking about Brooklyn. We're talking about, do you throw my, like, all, all <laughs> there's no, like, there's no safe haven. And granted, I would probably feel a little, I would definitely feel more better putting him on Blake and just kind of, like, okay, he's going to put him over there. And if he, you know, rotates over and... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. To help or whatever, you're going to live with, oh, yeah, Blake Griffin is going to shoot a three-point shot. Like, I, yeah. that's an outcome or a situation that I think all Bucks fans would live with, mm-hmm. even with knowing how that's worked out historically in the playoffs. But, like, I see, I, I understand, like, why that would be kind of, like, the safe option, especially if you're budding, you don't want to rock the boat too much. But 
it's it, again, there's drawbacks, there's positives, all this stuff that you know that can easily change. The shooting can easily change when you're playing against Brooklyn. It's all that stuff that kind of has always been you know uh, consistent with how Pat has been since you know being with the Bucks. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. Rohan, what do you think about Pat? Um... Pat is a little, it's, I don't know. Me and Pat have a complicated relationship. I'll say that. Um, but I don't know. I don't think he's going to be a guy who really has an insane impact. Like he's hitting shots in this Miami series right now, right? And Jordan, I'm really glad you highlighted that great pass he made because that was one of the highlights of that game. I don't, I, I don't know if I'm feeling him as much in this series as you would like to. And this is a series in which he would theoretically thrive because Miami does not really have any capable like wing stoppers aside from like Jimmy Butler, who's not going to be worried about Pat Connaughton. So if there's any series in which Pat Connaughton should be thriving, it's in this Miami Heat series. And you're not really seeing it that much. Like, again, the shot is falling. That is great. But it's not always going to fall. <laughs> like I get you can go with the hot hand in that instance, and if he's not really performing up to par in terms of shooting, you can sort of pull him, which has been sort of what they've done in the past with Pat Connaughton. But I just worry about like how he's going to fit in on the defensive end. That's just, it's just I don't know. It, it seems he's like also been way. he's also been a guy that I think um, if you if you kind of looked looked at like the core four of like. Giannis, Drew, Chris, Bobby, or Bobby, Brooke. <laughs> I don't know why I wrote to Bobby right there. You're thinking but, uh, about next year. Yeah. yeah. But uh, if you, like, switched him with, you know, in the start, or that lineup configuration, the Bucks have always performed really well. And granted, it's smaller minutes than the starting lineup with Dante and stuff like that. But, like, there's something about <laughs> how Pat fits in there that, like, makes sense. But then when you kind of, like, how do you – preview a matchup or where do you put him like all the little like minutia stuff it's like ah <laughs> you know, it it's just like some, somehow it just works yeah it just works yes. somehow like i think it's because a lot of his positional flexibility like ty and yeah. i we've talked about how he's really really good at the four as <laughs> like a yeah. good four and now we're talking about him maybe sliding up to the two it's just he has like versatility, like two through four, like two, three, four. Like you can play him in any single one of those positions and he'll be all right. He'll be serviceable. So I think that plays a lot into it. So it's like if one matchup isn't really working, you can just switch it to a different matchup because he's capable of doing multiple things. So I think that's a reason why it would work. It's just my worry is, is the floor too low? Like the ceiling is high. Is the floor too low? Yeah, I just think Pat it I think really Pat versus Forbes comes down to I mean, A, if you're just, you know, unhealthily thinking that Forbes is much worse than Pat on defense, which I just don't subscribe to. And then B, just like what you want from the offensive player around the core four. Like, do you want someone who is like an absolutely elite shooter, but if they're touching the ball, it's a pretty good chance they are going to shoot it? Or Pat, who is very much like a you know, greasing the wheels player who is only going to shoot when he is extremely open or if it's like the end of a shot clock or something. Like, otherwise, he is going to go out and find Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday or Giannis and let them shoot. Um, I, I think you could argue for both. I don't know if there's a right answer. What I like about Pat, I like that he doesn't take bad shots or too many shots for sure. He's got one assist in each of his three games this series, which is pretty good for how little he handles the ball and only one total turnover. I do think the most complicated thing about if he's the starter is I think outside of the shooting, his offensive utility is really one of the better cutters on the team. He's actually really good at that dunker spot. But mm -hmm. if the new wave is let's get Brooke Lopez involved down low more, there suddenly just isn't that much space for him. And I think, I think it's better to have Brooke Lopez down low more. I don't like when, when like half or more of Brooke Lopez's shot attempts are threes, 
Personally, I feel like that's generally not sustainable for, for winning. I just think he's such a streaky shooter that you'll live by it one game and die by it three other games. I'd much rather get him drawing fouls down low, get him dunking. Offensive rebounds, we've seen how big offensive rebounding is. Part of that is the team just you know wanting to do that more and not getting back as aggressively. But part of that is also Brooke Lopez is two feet from the rim instead of 20 feet from the rim, and it turns out it's easier to crash the board. So I almost think I'd prefer – Pat playing with Bobby more as much as, you know, those two aren't exactly both all world defenders. Portis, I don't mind out in the corners more like Portis relocating the three is really deadly. He's just a much better mm-hmm. shooter than Lopez is. And then if Giannis is operating in that mid area or any of the big three, really Pat's going to have a lot more room to cut. And I think on offense, if he's not shooting, I really want Pat cutting. Cause we've seen he's, he finds the holes, he gets to the rim and he can finish there. So I think he's going to have utility. I think everyone's going to have to step up, especially Pat and Bryn Forbes. But I don't think I like him starting that much. What's so funny, Rohan? Nothing. Just move on. Okay. Um, just threw off my whole concentration. Jeff Teague is really the other small player who I guess you could make a case to start. I I don't. I think that would be quite a jump. I mean, he didn't really play at all in this series. He played five minutes and. The Bucks. Everyone on the Bucks. Everyone on the Bucks has a positive net rating this postseason. Literally everyone except Jeff Teague, who's like minus fifty four because the five minutes he played were that bad. Um, I think he's going to matter more now for sure. I just think you'll probably need more minutes from the backcourt. And the thing about Dante, in addition to losing your starting two guard, you're also kind of losing your de facto backup point guard. Like when Teague doesn't play, mm-hmm. that's really. I mean. As much as it can give us heartburn from time to time, Dante does a lot of ball handling for this team. Uh, so that's another another gap you need to fill somehow. I think Teague plays more. I don't think he starts. I'll start with Rohan this time. Give me your, your Jeff Teague thoughts. I mean, obviously, this postseason, it's not been a great sample. They, uh, do you think they need more than him? Do they, do they need Jeff Teague? Can they get by without him? What do you think? I think I don't necessarily believe they'll need Jeff Teague because even in the minutes that they've played in the postseason right now without Drew Holiday on the court, which hasn't been like an enormous sample, they they don't really go to Dante at point too much. They haven't at least like they let Chris Giannis handle the ball a lot in those situations. So you're not really getting the full point guard Dante experience as, as we've chronicled is not the most fun experience. It's not a great roller coaster ride. I'll say that. Uh, so I don't necessarily think Jeff Teague will be needed because that sort of area of need will not be as pronounced as a lot of people think it will be. However, against Brooklyn, I think he could potentially have a role carved out for him. And that's just, he's still fast. Like, I'm very, very impressed with how fast Jeff Teague still is at his age and how many miles he has under him. So if you can make like Kyrie Irving, like just run around a little bit more than you would have like if you were just like Dante or something, because Jeff Teague, I'm much more comfortable handling the ball than Dante. So if you give Jeff Teague the ball and he's just running around a bit, like that's fine. Like that's a solid role. You're tiring Kyrie out a little bit more. So that's like, that's one area in which I could see Jeff Teague really performing well. And that's just being someone to, for Kyrie to chase around. I hate to be um, a Debbie Downer. Oh man, he waited. He waited until Adam was not an episode for this. No, 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 because I was about my other joke is gonna be. I know Adam's been talking about like the Bucks or there's gonna be a Jeff T game, and now it feels like the Bucks gonna are going to have to need one. Yeah, which is like (laughs) you have to depend on it. But sneaky subplot to uh, losing Dante is. the Bucks at one point were not going to sign Jeff Teague. They were going to sign someone else. Oh yeah. no! Yeah. So how? I, I I hate to relitigate the things that may or we don't know how close they were, but how the much of that decision is that. going to really like impact this playoff run? Yeah, like not not having Austin Rivers. Yeah, is what you mean. Oh, yeah. I thought we were talking about Brandon Knight. <laughs> I wish, man. He's still available. He's still available. He'll playoff eligible. Make the call, John Horst. 
Um, yeah, yeah I, I especially think... after last night's performance by Austin Rivers, uh, game three against, uh, Port- Portland, uh, Nuggets. That's, uh, that stings a little bit. Yeah. 21 yeah, I, points. I mean, at this, yeah. at this point, I don't, I, I mean, I don't see him starting, but he's going to be in the rotation. And I think there is going to be some value to him being just someone that can create his own shot. And like Roland said, like he, when he's engaged, he can put on the afterburners and, you know, blow by guys. But it's a matter of how consistently do we see that. I mean, you know, he's been walking a couple of months and we, the first like handful of games, like that, that Warriors game that they've actually collapsed, like, it was like, oh, look at this ride. This is a great ride. Jeff Teague's back, everybody. And then it was like, oh, yeah, like, is he playing? No, he's not playing. Is he active? No, he's not active. And what's going on? Like, it's kind of, it's just been that kind of experience all along. And now it's, you know, you're going to have to need something out of nothing. You know, essentially, that's where his role was. So, yeah, I mean, that's quite the uh, reversal uh, to where we have expected Jeff Teague at this point. The weird thing for me with Teague is that he's had some bad games, but it wasn't like good games and then a couple bad games and then he lost his rotation spot. It was like good games, you know, a couple average games, not terrible, good game. And he just doesn't play for a couple weeks. Yeah. And then he plays like six minutes and is terrible because he hasn't played in a couple weeks. So then he's like yeah. gone again. And it's just like I, I think there's much better play in there than certainly what we saw in game three. But I, I, it's just weird to me that, like, the factors that went into him playing are, are not playing. I know it's just at a certain point it comes down to, especially before the Dante injury, there were just a lot of players playing well that were just going to get minutes, and I think that's ultimately what squeezed him out. But I do think there's something there. I I do think it's going to have to be a situation. See, this is where things get tenuous because it's kind of also like Forbes to where if it's not working, you kind of need to yank him off stage. And you might run out of guys to yank off stage in a certain game, and you're going to just mm-hmm. play someone. So I, I think you are going to have to be a little careful with Teague. I do think there's something there. I do think if there is going to be a Jeff Teague game this postseason, having it come against this Brooklyn Nets defense would make a lot of sense. Um, I think that is probably the logical matchup, uh, just because did Brooklyn. He, did he play against the Nets in that like mini series? Because one game he was definitely DMP, and I don't remember the other one. I'm pulling it up now, but, um, yeah, it's, I, I'm so, the Jeff Teague experience has just been weird, uh, is my general takeaway, but he played 10 minutes in one of them. Yeah. In the first game. Oh, okay. One of three from the field. Plus four. (laughs) Didn't do a whole lot though. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, I certainly, I don't think he starts. I don't think it makes any sense, but I do think it's everyone's going to be needed more. Also, you know, I mentioned if you run out of little guys to pull off the stage, you can go big. And I think that is going to be something a lot of people are interested in just because the two big guys who could slot into the starting five, I think generally are just players that Bucks fans you know, have a real affinity for, and, and they should. Both players have been really awesome in their roles. That's P.J. Tucker and Bobby Portis. I think... I, and I said on the last podcast, I think starting Portis in game four against Miami could actually make a lot of sense for that matchup because I assume one of Deadman or Bielitsa will probably get the start over Ariza, who's just been completely a non-factor, but has made more jumpers this week than Trevor Ariza. So if that happens, I think Portis makes sense there. I don't know if that makes as much sense against Brooklyn, uh, but let's start with Tucker. Jordan, what do you think about starting P.J. Tucker? I think there's a fit here. I don't know how much I care necessarily about, like, do you want, like, how does, what does that do to the bench? I don't know if it does that much because he's not obviously adding a ton offensively. I do think there's a case to be made that Tucker actually makes the most all-around sense. I agree with that. I, I think, one, like you said, he doesn't touch the ball unless if it's past him in the corner. So, you know, kind of with, like, Pat where – but more, even more stationary, like radically stationary. Um, that's his value. I know he got like a cutting, like finish that looked pretty good last night, but like you're not going to rely on that every night. But especially when you're looking ahead towards Brooklyn and, you know, he's going to see the lion's share of possessions against KD, probably a little bit on Harden, but that's, I, I mean, 
Tucker looked really good last night. I think that's obviously probably the best he's looked all, you know, the last couple of months since coming to Milwaukee. Still, it's James Harden. You're kind of like, they, you know, they played against each other for, or played against each other, played with each other for last four years or whatever it was. They kind of know how each other operates. And I think PJ athletically is not at the same like place where he was a couple of years ago with Houston, where he can slot further down and take on those um, assignments, even though he like basically is just kind of like a two at this point, because like how we saw with like Tony Snell a couple years ago, he just doesn't do anything outside of just shooting threes, but he, his defensive role at this point is more like a four slash five or whatever you want to, you know, call it. But I don't think it radically changes anything in terms of like the buck spacing or, you know, gives the same kind of problems like you mentioned with Connaughton and like Brooke and how do you kind of navigate around like the dunker spot and really maximizing everybody's role to the best it can. And, you know, like you said, everybody's going to have to step up. Tucker's going to play more regardless, um, especially against Brooklyn. And it's, it feels more of like, okay, like this is, we're, we're going to something that, you know, it's kind of like, let's get ready kind of thing. But I think at this point, when you're looking against Brooklyn, and granted, they still have to get past Miami. <laughs> but when you're looking towards Brooklyn and you're just kind of like looking at all the options that they, that, you know, they give the Bucks and all the problems, like, you're just kind of like getting ahead to the point of like, yeah, PJ's going to be playing 35 minutes a game. Why don't we just start him? Kind of, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I don't, I don't disagree. I think, outside, like, I think it, in terms of how I would view it, it would be like Forbes, Tucker, Pat, in my kind of, you know, uh, likeness and <laughs> rankings, I guess. I think, I think Tucker could survive on a guy like Harden and as much as anyone can in spurts. Yeah. What was it? Devin Booker where the phantom foul gets called, but the defense was, was good on that play. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be like, I think he's the change of pace defensive option against Brooklyn. Like I think primarily, I actually think Giannis on KD to start makes some sense. I, I think everyone keeps talking about foul trouble. I don't know that KD draws that many fouls. Like he, most of the time he's pulling up a lot. Like so, you kind of have to go out of your way to foul. Oh, it's a lot of rip throughs. He yeah, does get a lot of that shoot. Giannis has to be smart about it. But mm. I mean, I think there are matchups that you could get in foul trouble. I mean, I think Jimmy Butler tries to draw a lot of fouls too, and Giannis has done a pretty good job of not succumbing to that. So I, I don't think that's automatically untenable. I think you put Drew on one of the little guys. I think if you start PJ, I don't know if you start him on Harden. You might start him on the, their power forward and then just rotate stuff around. Because I do think just giving all these differentiated looks is the way to go against Brooklyn to not let those guys get comfortable. But I think the the benefit of Tucker, and I guess you could also say Pat a little bit as well, although I think Pat ends up dribbling probably a little bit more than he should, whereas PJ just like defaults to like like he's, he's just I'm gonna go stand he gets in the, the ball when it's not in the corner, he just gives it up. Yeah, he's like now I'm yeah. gonna go in the like, corner no, now. It's kinda my, I don't know if you guys this know. This isn't where I get the ball. It's kinda my thing to be in the corner, just so you guys know. Um but I think the benefit of that, I mean obviously you lose some juice, but the benefit is like you're kind of by default streamlining your offense through the best players more. Because you're not yeah. gonna it, it takes that that extra variable out. Like that's more possessions for Giannis, Chris, and Drew, and probably Brooke Lopez knowing this team, which could end up being a good thing in the long run if it means more plays are started by Drew and Chris. So I think that's part of the benefit for PJ. I think obviously he's your best offensive option, even if he isn't ideal for the smaller guys on Brooklyn. Neither is Forbes or Conadin or Teague or anyone else mm-hmm. uh, the Bucks can bring off the bench at this point. But Rohan, go ahead. What are your thoughts on PJ Tucker as a starter, potentially, uh, making the Bucks be the big boys. The really the only thing I worry about is foul trouble with him because especially in like those two Brooklyn games we saw like the first game he had five fouls in 23 minutes, the second game he had four fouls in 20 minutes. Like if you're if you're playing him so much, like you have you have so many minutes, there's so many opportunities for him to get in foul trouble with just messes with his defense a little bit and just doesn't have him out there as much because he can't really risk that. So that's my real concern is like a higher like minute total is going to lead to more fouls because we've chronicled this. B.J. Tucker gets like one of the worst whistles as a Milwaukee Buck that we have ever, ever witnessed. Uh, it, it's baffling 
I don't I don't know what PJ did to I, I don't want to name names, but it's <laughs> it's it's rough out there. So that's what I would worry about. I do think he does have like a solid like versatile option. That's what he was brought for this team to do. It's like if you don't have a guy like Dante, you can go big. You can bring a guy like PJ Tucker because he has many different styles of play like you within the Bucks offense. You can change that's the entire reason he was brought in. He wasn't brought in to be like so this team can switch everything all the time or anything. It's so that they can have that option. And now they might have to actually exercise that option. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, I think that's a good way of looking at it. I think that this Miami series has really encapsulated that they're not always going to switch just because they can, which is good and healthy. And clearly there's going to be, yeah, you have to, to make them beat you in your base scheme first. I, I don't know if I need to see Brooklyn beat it first before I make that move, but maybe. Um, okay, so the other big guy. And and we'll talk Thanasis in a second, too. And I think – I don't think there's a case to start, but I think there is a Thanasis conversation that we'll have. But Bobby Portis, what, so I, I think there's a chance this could work. Uh, obviously, just offense – he's the best offensive player who's not in the starting five, and it's not close. Like, he has – been roughly percentage-wise, he's been about as good of a shooter as Forbes. I think Forbes is better. He needs less space and is just more of a weapon. But percentage-wise, Portis has been right there, and his above-the-break and corner threes are really strong. Those trailing plays that they used to run for Lopez are like a thousand times more dangerous with Bobby Portis. And obviously, you know, around the rim, I mean, he can fade away that shot. Giannis likes Portis likes it a lot. He can attack the basket a little bit and draw fouls. He can dunk. An offensive weapon adds a ton there. Defensively, I do think the one positive of if you if you slot Portis in here with the starters, and I think we're we're talking about starters right now. He's going to play minutes with a lot of the starting group at some point, just because. I mean, this is a series where I think you see Drew, Chris, and Giannis all around forty pretty regularly. So if Portis is playing, he's probably playing with those guys at some point. I do think the one thing that could really work out is if. He's on, you know, your Blake Griffin, your Nick Claxton, whoever it is. And then that's really just go to attack that and the Bucks just switch and, and let Portis defend. Like, that's the one thing where he can kind of hold up. I mean, he's still going to get cooked by some of these players like everyone else. But if you're really going out of your way to draw the Portis switch, I do think that's a little bit of a wasted effort on offense for Brooklyn. Like, I do think that's the one place where he's really going to be okay. So I do think – I hope he plays a little bit more especially with this development than he did against Miami, just because switching, I think, is is he's pretty solid at it. He'll try and stay in front of guys, use his, his physicality and all that. So I don't hate it, but I think it's certainly behind at least Forbes and Tucker. Rohan, what do you think? Bobby Portis, a starter, or are we, are we taking things a little too big at that point? That might not be the most ideal option uh, that Milwaukee has in this situation. I like you said, he is a much better offensive player than BJ Tucker. Like it's it's not even close. Like Bobby Portis will go out there and get you buckets. Bobby buckets. That's what we like to say here. It's just I I don't know. It's 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 a little too much too big of a role. I don't know. I, I, I also think it's a little too big of a lineup. I mean, yeah, especially against yeah, Brooklyn. I mean, it would kind of remind me of like putting Miritich out there, yeah, next to yeah. like Brooke, Jan, like that. Like I understood like why they did it in some situations, especially was it that? Yeah, it started. It came after that game one against Boston, and then it it was like, oh yeah, we're gonna do it, and then you know it was before it was too or. It was after it was too late to kind of like switch it back. Yeah. Where Bobby, like, he is a better defender than he's given credit for, but it's also situationally based. Like how you said, like switching, you know, more like he's you see the difference in him trying to play drop versus like bring him more closer. Yeah, he just can't do it. He looks like a statue. So yeah, I think that's that's the biggest worry that I would have in terms of like going super jumbo, you know, lineup kind of starting uh, five. I also just think, like, I I like always having one of – or mostly, I guess in this Brooklyn series will be different. I just – I like having him or Lopez out there. I think 
for the offensive rebounding and everything. It, it is nice to have the extra size with Giannis out there for obviously a lot as well. Maybe that won't be the case in this Nets series. It's going to be super interesting to see how the Bucks use their size against Brooklyn. I think, too, to that point, I mean, I know we're talking about, like, how Dante and stuff like that, but, like, that Jeff Green injury that I know they said something about, like, 10 days, but it's also plantar uh, fasciitis, which, I mean, that's not an injury that heals all that quickly. Um, And Green, you know, we've seen him, you know, pop up for some big shooting games. You're not going to have, like, that spacing threat that really kind of tests Portis, the drop scheme, whatever, you know, scheme that you're going to be looking towards. So if it's more of Claxton, more of um, DeAndre, um, like, they're, like, as much as we're kind of, like, fretting about, like, where do the Bucks go, like, how do they somehow, like, not survive the series, but in many ways, you know, just kind of finding some spots to kind of, like, you know, uh, I guess, alleviate the pressure on themselves. Uh, that's what I'm looking towards, you know, unsurprisingly, just because the Nets front court is just not established enough at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, some of the things that we've seen with Miami that make the drop work, I don't think it's going to work nearly as well or, or for, you know, throughout entire games like it is right now. But when if the Nets are playing two non-shooting threats, like let's say DeAndre and then one of Claxton or sort of Blake or Bruce Brown, you can try to drop a little bit if the center is involved and, and do that weak side help off the other guy who you're not that afraid of. Like there's some things you can try, I think, Probably you're going to have to switch for most of the series. I think I just, if for no other reason, then you're just not that concerned about the Nets bigs getting against smaller defenders. Cause it's like you mentioned earlier, Jordan, about if Blake is shooting threes, you're okay with it. Like if they're trying to engineer DeAndre Jordan posting up Chris Middleton or something, I think the Bucks are just like, all right, good luck with that. <laughs> good luck on making you know a shot. If DeAndre man. Jordan is capable of a post up. I don't. I just honestly, now I'm you trying say to it, imagine him doing it right now, and I just can't. Credit I to him. Even see that since when he was on the Clippers. Credit to him like for being ago. like, I am not going to succumb to Andre Drummond disease of thinking I am Shaq. If Andre Drummond played like the Andre Jordan, he would have made so many All NBA teams by now. Beside the point. Um, I'm fascinated. I, I feel like I don't know anything about how this series is going to go. I think there's so many little questions that are going to matter so much. But I do think even if we think there's not going to be a lot of dropping, the Jeff Green injury is definitely big. But I think just in general, the Bucks finding ways to play a lot of Lopez or Portis is just going to matter now. Like, yeah. you want to switch, you want to do all that stuff, and maybe you can switch, you know, one through four, especially Lopez. I think Portis, you just switch. But Lopez, you try to switch one through four where you can with him. But it's just like... At a certain point, if you're going too small, I think you're just playing into Brooklyn's hands a little bit and playing the game they want to play. And also, you're not playing your best players as much. Like, Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis are simply two of the best players on the roster. And if you're not playing them to play Teague to match up better, you're probably shooting yourself in the foot at a certain level. It's like, it's one thing if, if like, Lopez is just torched off the court. And we'll have to see it if that happens. Maybe that does happen. It's certainly possible. Hasn't happened much. Has not happened much. Um, I think. Did you not just say to me like two minutes ago? Oh, I don't want to test this out against Brooklyn. Like we're not going to see what happens. Test Did that what not out? like drop? Yeah. Well, you don't have to. I don't. You don't have to drop to play Brook Lopez. Okay. Hard drop. Yeah, like like the last two years of how the Bucks have played drop. Yeah, yeah. That's different than how we've seen this series. Yeah, yeah. trying to avoid the wide open stuff. Like, I think you try to work around it. I think you have to. I think you have to figure it out. And you can't just, like, if Katie's curling around DeAndre Jordan, you can't just be like, well, I hope he misses because he probably won't ever. But I do think you need to figure out ways to to play Lopez. I I think bringing him up a little bit more in some of these things is going to be an option they have to explore, too. Mm -hmm. For sure. It's going to be an experience, I'll say that. It is. This is going to be wild. Uh, should we touch on Thanasis quickly? Yeah. Uh, but you had the injury. The, well, 
you know, yeah. our latest assessment of the injury timeline, Rohan. We haven't had news in so quite a while. So he got injured on May 16th in that final regular season game on the, against the Bulls, and it was revealed on the 17th the next day that he had an avulsion fracture in his uh, right knee and is going to be reevaluated in two weeks. Well, that two weeks is coming up in the next two to three days, depending on when they initially diagnosed it. So if there is a chance that he can get cleared and can actually be available for this Brooklyn Nets series, which there's a chance he might be, do you think he'll sort of slot in as sort of one of these guys who's going to have like an elevated role? I think it'll be like two minutes at the end of a quarter or something. I don't think he'll play a real – it's just the offense. That's the issue. It's, you know, he's a, he's a legitimately good defensive player. Like, he would help defending some of these, these Brooklyn guys. I mean, he's still going to get cooked by Harden and Kyrie like everyone. But I think he is a useful, switchy defender. He talks a lot on defense. He's a smart defensive player. His intensity, obviously, we've seen that make differences. But I think it's going to be like the Axel Tupon, like – Last 40 seconds, we don't want a couple guys to get a foul. Let's just put in Thanasis and see if he can grift us a couple extra possessions. I think an expanded role, he just hurts you too much offensively because you don't trust him to really do much of anything. I mean, we've seen him dunk. He'll, he'll take some guys off the dribble, sure. But in a series like this, I don't want him involved on offense pretty much any possession unless he's taking a wide-open dunk. Like, you just need to value possessions to such an extent, and using Thanasis doesn't do that. So I would like him. extra possessions. And then they're gone. It's like the South Park <laughs> bank guy, and it's gone. So as much as I like him, as much as I hope he can add that three ball and be like a younger, not-as-refined version of P.J. Tucker a year or so from now, which I think is actually possible if he's shooting 36% from three, Suddenly, he's a very useful player. I just don't think he's there yet. Yeah, I mean, to that point, I think it's a matter of him actually shooting, which is kind of more of the problem. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, we've seen him pass up good shots to try to get better shots, and that's been a mixed bag. But I think it's so difficult because I I agree with you ultimately because he's not – if you factor – or if you put him in into – you know, five minutes here or there. It's just going to be such an obvious, like, well, he's a zero on offense. And they won't guard him. They won't guard him. Everything's tilted towards him being a good defender. And that kind of invites them to be like, okay, let's try to, let's see what we can take advantage of. Yeah. And as great as, you know, he he fits the Bucks in, in a different way of, like, we saw against Luca where he's trying to, like, irritate. He likes taking these big matchups. And sometimes it you know veers into foul trouble and all that stuff. But when you're when the more minutes he play, the more you know reps are, they're going to be like, oh okay, this is what he can do, this is what he can't do. And as much as like the Dante problem is just a matter of like trying to figure you know who's just going to play minutes. At a certain point, you just need minutes from some people. Is the Nassus going to be at a point where? he can credibly play those minutes, especially when, granted, it's, it's not like a serious injury, but it's enough to kind of, you know, get rusty. Oh, yeah. And it just, you know, it kind of creates all a, a whole set of other issues that you're not kind of prepared for. And I don't know. It just It's one of those things where had he not been hurt to start the playoff series or to start the playoff run in general, I think it would have been, kind of more interesting to see against Miami rather than Brooklyn where, you know, you have to be on your best at all yeah. times. He he could have been in the Pat situation where yes. you're like, I don't know. And then if you have a terrific first four games, then it's like, oh, well, let's try him a little bit more and see what happens. I think throwing him from, you know, cold directly into the burning fire that is the defending Brooklyn, playing against Brooklyn mm-hmm. is just a lot. And I just think, yeah, like, Nobody else that we've talked about is a guy that I think the other team can say, like, we just don't care about his offense. Like, we'll just ignore him and go to the paint. Thanasis is one of those guys. And and if you're trying to have him take advantage of that, again, that's just like, I don't want to use possession. So I think two minutes, a minute and a half, a minute to end a quarter, like, legitimately, you can, in that time, he's such an interesting player, 
you could throw him in on James Harden and say, go piss off James Harden for 90 seconds. Yeah. And maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. He probably gets an extra possession somewhere, and it's fine. And, and there's just not enough possessions on the other end for Brooklyn to take advantage of it. And maybe he's even an offensive-defensive sub kind of player sometimes. Like, we've seen that. Like, we've seen him play zero seconds, gain Milwaukee a possession, and check out. And the great thing about Thanasis is he has no issue with this whatsoever. Like, he's celebrating on his way to check back out of the game, and he knows that's that's a way he can impact the game. He's got those tearaway jeans that he can just take off and then come on this court. <laughs> if he wears tearaway jeans, start it. Start it. I changed my mind. But I, I think... I think How is that back? How is that a thing? The Nasus jeans, baby. Yeah. I think he can help in his own way. I hope he, I hope they get him active, but I, I don't think. What I don't think like he's PJ a Tucker's in bad foul trouble. That's that's where if you're if you're looking at truly dire circumstances, I think that's where But I think okay. like I would rather go with Pat or Forbes or Portis than the Nasus. Even yeah. if positionally it's super sleeping. weird. We are, I am sleeping again. I know. I've been the number one. I feel, or not, no. You're, uh, Rohan's number one now. I've been the number two, the nasty defender, and I'm asleep. I, I think he can contribute positively in like five total minutes played over the series. <laughs> Even if he checks in in every game, it might be five hey, total minutes. that's better than Jeff Teague so far. <laughs> it's the same, same amount of minutes. Uh, but yeah, contribution, positive contribution, that'd be way more. Um, I have seen people suggest, I don't know how serious this is. That like Wara gets more run. I don't think anyone has said Merrill. I've seen Elijah Bryant actually, Jordan's guy. Um, it was just Jordan actually. <laughs> yes. Uh, Rohan already said no. I mean, I don't want to go deep into all of these players or anything. I think the issue is the same. Diakite? No, no, I haven't even seen Diakite. Oh, they're so big already now. I think Diakite, yeah. even, even the Diakite fans are like. There's so much size he's already. Looked, he's looked rough in these last couple minutes against uh, Miami. Blocked, block, blocked Precious uh, Achua. Uh, then he's also like whiffed on like five yeah. point blank layups. He sure has. Um, but let's focus on Wara and I guess Brian. I think Wara is the one that you see the most. Clearly there's a lot of offensive potential there, but I think like he also went 0 for 4 in five minutes in game three, which there's also the potential for that to happen. But the real issue here is defense. I mean – we talked about Forbes and Connaughton being like tenuous defenders. War is just like not that good on ball and also like just lost a lot of the time off ball. I just think the boom or bust, it's like 5% boom, 95% bust. I just think it's such a gamble that I wouldn't do it. And I certainly don't think Bud will do it knowing the way he values consistency and defense and everything else. But does anyone have a case for Wara or Bryant or any of the other rookies to play? I think with Wara, I think his – it's not necessarily an issue. I just think it's because he's a rookie and, you know, his minutes were here and there over the course of five months. But I, it's not like a like-for-like like with, like, Brim Forbes or anything like that because Brim, like, even though they eventually, like, rode the hot hand in game two and what we saw in game three as, you know, Dante um, got hurt, Brim – is not necessarily a volume scorer, if that makes sense. Um, whereas I think War tilts more of that direction when he's had times where he gets hot, and, you know, he obviously can shoot, you know, the hell of the ball. But I think he, his value is more of like, he's, he's trying to just do more reps of, as kind of like a, not go-to scorer, but just someone that you can give the ball to and score and, you know, whether it's stepping back or whatever the case may be. And it's not like, you know, it's it's a much different role than what we would see from, like, Bryn or even Dante when he's healthy Um, that I think is too far too soon for him. And then, obviously, you know, the defensive questions that you brought up, too, that we see Bud get out of his case already this season. Like, <laughs> I guess the kings of all teams, like, if you're – going crazy, or not crazy about that, but, like, if you're getting at him about, like, locking in and just kind of, you know, just playing adequate defense, and then you're going up against Brooklyn, like, you just can't afford any kind of lapses. And I think deve- developmentally, that that's not the, the, you know, incubator for great habits to be built and just kind of, like, expect the world out of him in very, you know, spot minutes. 
So that's what, that's what kind of makes me think it's like, uh, like, let's not rock the boat too much here. They have a interesting thing going on with Nora that, or Wara, um, that I just don't want to see, you know, them depend on it at this point. And Brian's kind of the same way where defensively, I think he's, I've seen some, it's like he picked, I know, I think it was maybe Kendrick Nunn of all people, but like, not like, <laughs> he's not like Kyrie or Irving or anything like that, but he's picking up like 94 feet. And there's something there defensively. I just think he's also not like a floor spacer to the, you know, to a, a Bryn Forbes uh, level or anything like that, where it's like you're relying on guys that just either just came to Milwaukee a couple of weeks ago or played, I don't know how many minutes were played, but like 250 minutes or something like that, like over a regular season. Like that's where we're at when the backcourt wasn't already kind of stocked with great options. Or Very close, 200, 274. Very Ooh, close on Warren's nice. minutes. But, yeah, like that's – I just – I don't know. I <laughs> That's where I, I just stand with both of them. Yeah. Rohan? It should, it's too much of a risk. You just that's, can't trust them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, that's been that's been our rationale, like, throughout the season in terms of, like, oh, should X player start over Dante? It's like, oh, should X player have a rotational role? It's just like you can't trust him in big situations, and maybe that's unfair, but you also just have to go with whatever has the greatest chance of success and not playing them has the greatest chance of success. Maybe that's wrong, but we're not going to find out. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I think especially the just to put a bow on the whole thing, like the like why take the risk? And we, I made a similar argument on a smaller scale even with Dante's play, but like why take a risk of something that could go really bad and end up bleeding points but could work really well when your your bar is already quite high no matter who it is when they're out there with Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Like, it's not like those guys need a bunch of scoring from the fifth guy. They don't need an explosive – I mean, it's not bad to have, but again, you don't get that as a guarantee. It could be an 0 for 5 on a bunch of early shot clock shots and then bad defense too. Like – why introduce the risk when really, like, you just need someone who can be out there and function and move the ball a little bit or score a little bit or defend? And those are basically the options between Bryn, uh, Pat, and, and PJ Tucker. But, like, you don't need the whole world in this fifth starter. They just need to unlock the other guys more. And I think that's really where you look at it and just cannot make a real case for any of the rookies. So, wanted to touch on it because I know people are and will ask, but I just don't think it's worth it right now. Wara, keep learning from the bench. Next year, maybe you can be a, a light facility. Facili- oh, my God. Facsimile? Yes, right? Facsimile? Is it facsimile? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. You could be a version of he who shall not be named who almost came over in a trade. Probably not. I don't think the ball handling is going to be there, but I digress. Um, I think. Oh, is that, I get it. Yeah, now you get it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Bog, bog. Code bog. names. No one's going to know. Um, is, is that everything? Have we covered everything? I mean, obviously, I think to reiterate, feel really bad for Dante. Get well soon, Dante. Get well soon, Dante. Two, whatever. Two out of three seasons to end with a season ending injury. It's just and a foot injury, injury like yeah. Ron. Yeah. I, last time was like a heel bursitis or something like that. And now a tendon. Like, that sounds. Painful. Yeah. Like, I know it's like, yeah. They said, uh. It means there's like some bone about yeah. and stuff. That's, 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 that's gonna be a, quite a recovery, I would imagine. Yeah. Too. I'd be interested to see if there are any more details that come out of that because, I don't know. That's Knowing just, the Bucks, yeah. almost certainly not. No, no. Not a chance. Uh, there's I'm gonna be a press. Gave, yeah, I'm surprised they gave us tendon. Yeah, right? There's gonna yeah. be a press release in like October and it's just gonna say, foot good, Dante back. <laughs> That's it. That's how it was. That's how it was essentially when he got recovered uh, a couple years ago. It yeah. was like, oh yeah, like he was practicing. I was like, where did this come from? What? What, <laughs> what, what happened initially? I feel like yeah. the Sixers are having to put out bulletins like every six weeks. Like someone on the staff has dysentery or whatever goes on with their medical situation. And we the Bucks almost are just killed like, a rookie. Like, yeah. yeah, the allergy with Zaire Smith. Yeah, yeah, it's tough for him, man. <laughs> but the Bucks are just like, don't worry about it, man. It's fine. We'll let you know. I'll let you know. It's like, I don't even know. I don't even have a comp. But uh, get well soon, Dante. Hopefully you can yep. put the foot issues behind him. But in the meantime, the Bucks do have some options. 
quickly here as we close. I think we've all said it. I want to start with Rohan because Jordan kind of gave his list earlier. What are your top three options? And we'll, we'll look at Brooklyn. I, the Miami that really doesn't matter. You could start Bud out there. We've seen the jumper. Would work well enough against against the Heat. But against against Brooklyn, who do you want to see starting? Rank them, top three. Bryn, PJ, Pat. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to go with – I think I'm going to go with the same. I just – I don't want Pat starting that much. I just think that's a lot for Pat Connaughton. I, I don't think he'd be terrible, but he's just so prone to like 0 for 1 games. And it's not even that I hate that he does it because I don't – like he doesn't always need to take more than one shot. He's such a floor of the offense player. But at a certain point, unless you are giving that P.J. Tucker impact on defense, I don't know if you can afford a starter who does that regularly. So that's my issue with Pat. So I'm going to copy Rohan. I'm going to go Bryn, P.J., Pat, Jordan. We're all three in agreement. (laughs) Bryn, P.J., Pat. I just think, yeah, I think that's kind of where they've been tipping their hand all season. Rohan brought up the point where when Dante has been – you know, missed here and there. Bryn's been the guy. Um, you know, that's where they're at, and it's worked to this point. I know, Pat, like I said before, Pat's minutes have generally been good with next to the core four, but, yeah, I think that's where, until further notice, I think that's where they go. It probably helps that he's usually out there with the core four against one or two other bench players, too. I think mm-hmm. that is that is a difference uh, for Pat. So, yeah, and one just final thing. None of us mentioned Portis. I don't want – Portis fans to be slighted. Part of it for me is like, I think he's such a good sixth man. Like Mm -hmm. he got sixth man of the year votes. Well-deservedly. I think not enough, not enough agreed, but I just asked for one. So it's fine. His impact there is really, I think it matters a lot. I don't like playing him with Lopez and Giannis a ton. I like the comp Jordan, even if it's kind of the other end of a, a face to fist punch of Miritich, but um, I, I think that's a, a good comp for it's just such a weird fit. And I just like him better as, like, come in with five minutes to go in the first and, like, make two quick buckets and, and steady the ship. Yeah, just he, he's a good guy to go out there and get you some points when a lot of the other, like, the main three aren't playing. Like, yeah. even though we haven't seen that so far in the series against Miami, just if there's not an offensive punch out there, he will be an offensive punch. And that's not needed in the starting lineup. Like, and he, he knows his role and he's does yeah. great at it. It's yeah. fantastic. You don't want to mess with that. Also, yeah. I really like, I like him and Giannis together. And I think I shared this on Twitter, but like the Chris and Drew minutes have just been really, really good. So if the staggering is basically you have those two guys or Giannis out there all the time, I think Giannis and Bobby coming off the bench, that is, that, that I think is better offensively because it just gives you built in options. Whereas you can survive better without the ball handling of Drew and or Chris. So I think that that makes sense too. So yeah, I think that that's all we've got. I think yeah. for this, this Eurostep podcast network episode, it, get well soon, Dante and Bryn Forbes. Keep making those threes, man. Yeah. Keep making those threes. I think we're going to see that in Saturday. What day? Saturday. Saturday yeah. Saturday mm-hmm. afternoon. Today, one one thirty PST or CST. Sure. Sure. No, I think it's 1230. Oh, is it 12.30? Oh, good. Yeah, it's super early. Yeah, it is. Yep, 12.30 CSC on Saturday. I'm going to assume today's Friday, so that means tomorrow. Yes. Uh, Yeah, enjoy the (laughs) game. Listen, I'm so confused right now, just in general. But uh, (laughs) that's that's neither here nor there. Thank you for listening to this GSPN, Eurostep Podcast Network episode, emergency pod about Dante DiVincenzo being out for the rest of the season, for the rest of the playoffs with injury. Uh, if you did enjoy this episode, make sure you leave a rating. Make sure you enter the uh, Win in Six uh, last original logo uh, T-shirt merch giveaway by uh, leaving a five-star rating uh, on Apple or wherever you can, and then sending it to Win in Six Podcast on Twitter, and then you're going to be entered into that contest. And it's a great contest. Would recommend. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening to this podcast. Make sure you check out all of the content across the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Stay safe, everyone. Go Bucks, and we will talk to you next time.